We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Back after a quick one week hiatus. It's the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby, old man Andreas Hale, back from his world tour. I, it was really just a tour of the East Coast, but it felt like he was everywhere last week. Uh, you know, old men need naps, they need recovery time. So we had to give you guys a break from the podcast for one week, but don't worry, we're catching up on everything today hip hop, combat sports. You know, one other thing we got to talk about, you know, just sprinkle it in there. It's one of those episodes today. But, Dre, it's nice to have you back. And you were gone for a good reason, though. Congrats. New gig. Huge site. Uh, man, now you have, what, 15 jobs? 
<laughs> no, not really, man. I mean, uh, you know, obviously those have heard. I'm the senior editor of Combat Sports over at the Sporting News. Uh, Sporting News is like a 137-year-old publication. Some shit I used to read when I was a kid doing fantasy baseball. Um, it's been something that's been in the works since February or March, I want to say. You keep the best secrets ever, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's how you got to live life, I suppose. You know, between, <laughs> it's between me and Drake, right? Like, I don't have a piece of teeth to get my information. Um, but, yeah, I, I got a, a phone call from a friend that I used to work with at BET uh, talking about Sporting News and uh, Perform Group, which Perform Group owns The Zone, which is going to be the new combat sports. Well, sports streaming service is already in a bunch of other countries, extreme like the NFL and NBA and, like, Japan and England and all that shit. Um and those who have kept track, the zone is going to be showing like boxing world, uh, the world uh, boxing series. Uh, they just acquired Bellator, which is the reason why I was in uh, New York. So yeah, I'm overseeing co- combat sports now, which is pretty dope. It's, it's, it includes pro wrestling too, so it's not just MMA and boxing. Uh, we're going to do some pro wrestling coverage. Um, my the, the man who hired me is actually a huge pro wrestling fan, so my time in Charlotte, New York, we spent way too much time talking about pro wrestling. Uh, <laughs> But it's like a combination of everything. So I'm going to do the editorial stuff, uh, the documentaries that I used to do for Jay-Z's Life and Times. You're going to see those on Sporting News. And we're just, try, just trying to bring this shit to the front, man. I mean, you know, between the zone and matchroom boxing and some of the big fights coming up in Bellator, uh, it's just a big operation. It's a big undertaking. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I've been. That was, that was where I was last week. Just, yeah, New York and Charlotte, staying busy. Like you had more time to be busy. That's so crazy. Uh, nah, man, congrats, though. It, it seemed fun. You know, you, you went, you threw on the little, the quick dapper, dapper Dan outfit. Tried to clean up a little bit because I understand you were going back to your old stomping grounds uh, next to the BET offices. Well, yeah, that was the building that I used to be in, which is crazy. The Viacom building is the, is the, is where our other office used to be. So people saw that. It was funny because people were like, oh, you're coming to take over BET with Deborah Lee being gone? I was like, Jesus Christ, no, not that <laughs> Like, y'all are shooting too high. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. But it was the first time I've been in that building since I left BET in 2008. So that shit was kind of crazy. That would have been dope. We could have finally greenlit the Love and Journalism show, <laughs> and we would have been in there. It would just been on BET. We would have been, been set. See? That's, that's your next goal. Now, just pencil that down. Five years. You know, you could do everything. You're a man of 15 job. What's 16? Add BT head honcho to that. Let's get the let's give the people what they want, and that's a reality show. Mm, Dre, well, everyone needs a reality show now. Man. Just cut the check. That's yeah, all. You could be the Stevie J of journalism. Nah, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not no. career goals. No, nope. nah, not at all. Um, nah, man. So that's cool. We look forward to you know seeing all the coverage there. This is your first week on the job, right? So we're gonna get UFC two twenty six coverage. Yep, yep. This is my first week. I mean, I'm doing been doing some training and stuff this week, and uh, yeah, hiring a staff. And man, my inbox was ridiculous. Like, I put out the little tweet, and I was like, "Oh, a few people should like it or whatever." And next thing I knew, I had like 30 DMs, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, no, nah, so I'm trying to catch up on that. But yeah, like the first thing I'm covering UFC 226 this week. It's already been a fucking madhouse, and then we had you know it's Fourth of July weekend week, so we had like. So a kind of sort of day off yesterday, but hitting the ground running, man. Got to go. It's go time. No, that's good. That's good. So since you've been gone, uh, a lot of craziness has happened outside of the world of combat sports. And every now and then on a podcast, you know, we, we, we take a toe 
and dip it in a pool of other sports. And I feel like this is the week to do that. Dre, you are not a fan of how I play video games. No. Specifically sporting games and my franchise mode, where I use my assets and cap wisely to get the best players possible. Short term, of course. Yes. Listen, championships last forever. Cap space, you know, we can manipulate that year to year. So we see this, and you tell me all the time, it's not realistic. This isn't how it's done. Guess what? It is realistic. This is how it's done. We saw LeBron James leave Cleveland, go to L.A. He's trying to form a super team. They're just throwing money around to everyone. And then the Golden State Warriors answer by signing Boogie Cousins to $5 million contract, mid-level exemption, to create a five-all-star team. Boogie's arguably the best center in the league. Dre, tell me it's not possible anymore. I'm here to tell you I was right. I'm going to tell you your ass is wrong because it's not happening (laughs) in baseball. Like, first of all... Don't, hey, don't underestimate my Yankees. We got a lot of money. Yeah, go ahead. Go get Bryce Harper with his 227 batting average. Y'all better off getting Soto. Uh, I'll, but I'll you, take it. Yeah, okay. Um, but the thing, yeah, so being a sporting news, because we're, you know, a big sports outlet, man, what a shit show it was over there. You know, because first of all, I was in New York at their offices, then I went to the Charlotte offices where Sporting News is located, and it was just like, really? Like, the LeBron thing was first. Um, and... I'm not surprised, but then again, I kind of am because with Paul George re-upping in OKC, which was the biggest surprise to me because completely now I could, I mean, I probably said this before, but when I, when I did a documentary on Paul George, he made it very clear to me that he wanted to go to LA with this is when he was still in Indiana. Like it was, it was like, we couldn't film it, but we, it was, his family was there. His dad was with us. His sister was with us. His brother was with us. And they were all like, we're going to LA. Like it was that's it. That's all he said. He's like, once I'm done with Indiana, I'm gonna, you know, re up for the max, and then I'm gonna find my way to LA. He's for, he was, he played for Fresno. He wanted to go to LA, so that was huge to me to go re up with OKC because you're never winning a title there. They're getting killed by the luxury tax. You yeah. got Carmelo Anthony soaking up money and not, you know, can't really do much of anything. Can't play defense. Never has. You know, his usage rate is way down because he's terrible. He's not terrible, but, I mean, he's just not working there. So that was a shock. But LeBron in L.A. was like, I mean, here's the not making the NBA Finals. Like, <laughs> Listen, you can't mess up your Finals record if you don't make the Finals. He just he, he won't make it. Um, I'm in a position now to believe that he may never win another championship. Ooh, he's not know. getting any younger. He's not getting any younger. Uh, Golden State with this particular – I mean, look, first of all, it's not fair. Let's just be real here. Boogie Cousins taking a mid-level to play one year in Golden State, it's not fair. It's absolutely not fair. <laughs> what is the point of watching the NBA next season? None. To see if they lose five games. That's really and, what it comes down to. And they will lose five games because they're going to take it easy on a lot of teams. They're going to lose games that they don't, they don't need to. They've already gone 73-9. and nine. They're not trying to go 82-0. and 0. They're not trying to kill themselves. They're going to preserve themselves for the playoffs no matter what. Somebody will get hurt, but it won't really matter. I will. This is even an argument. This is... On paper, the greatest starting five in NBA history. Oh, easily. I mean, mean, five all-stars? Come on. Draymond is arguably the worst of that group. And what? Is he Rodman? Like the modern-day Rodman? He's better. I mean, the dude can get a triple-double on any given night. Yeah, so, I mean, Rodman's one of the greatest players of all time. So, if Draymond's your worst and he's that, you're doing pretty damn well. I mean, Boogie's a 25-10 and guy. 
You have four guys who can average or have average 25 plus. Yep. You had a guy who, wait, how many points did Clay Thompson score in a quarter? <laughs> what a 30 something a quarter, like 70 in a game. Something and now stupid. it's like your fourth option? Yep. This is frightening. But it's, it's not fair. I, I, I also, I know guys would be like, yo, I want to ring. But man, this, it's not even competitive. I would like to see Boogie go to Washington. I would like to see Boogie stay in New Orleans. Like, I just, dog, it's like, it's like having a nuclear arms race and then be like, oh, well, here's a hand grenade. Like, we're already blowing up the world. Like, what's this going to do? Insult to injury? Yo. <laughs> it's not fair. And I don't know, like, if you're in the Western Conference, you should be begging to go to the Eastern Conference. There's, you don't want to be there. You have no chance of making the NBA Finals. No, but you just know, like, it's a one-year deal. Like, because Boogie's not going to take five mil over and over. Um, eventually, people are going to want to get paid their $40 million. You look at a guy, Chris Paul, he's making $40 million a year for the next four years. And yeah, he doesn't have not one up. ring. Yeah, he has not one ring. Now, how are you going to tell people that have three and then four after this next season to not cash out for $40 million? You, you can't. Know, the, the curious thing is, like, I think you, you can flip this. I think, okay, you lose Boogie, Boogie, you're still the best team in the NBA. You still got a bunch of guys that are barely hitting their prime. Like, if Clay really wants to go to L.A., if he really wants to, that he's going there with a the caveat that he's not – going to win a championship right like even if clay leaves you still probably the Golden state Warriors are still probably the best team in the league no i mean they were vulnerable this year with just their four i mean it's not like houston wasn't you know a yeah. half away from bumping them which which is true but you know honestly is houston can houston get any better no they can only get worse like they lost trevor ariza but, I mean, that's not to say that there can't be another Houston. So, Houston had two stars and a lot of really good shooters. Um, that's not to say LeBron can't accumulate one more star and a bunch of really good shooters. I mean, look at the team as – like, the, the, the Lakers, as they are currently situated, have no shooting. No, no, no. This one year, I think they <laughs> they were just like, yo, let's fill the roster, see what guys want to come. Um, let's try to play some D. You know, just – and they have some rangy defenders. Uh, Stevenson's going to be a good defender. Uh, Rondo has length as a defender. Kuzma has length. So, I mean, they, they have some guys who can defend. Um, and they're just they're taking the red shirt year and saying in 2019, can we add one or two stars, keep these young guys because we're not paying them anything yet, and try to capitalize off of the last three years of LeBron's contract. And that's the crazy part because LeBron isn't getting any younger. Like no. obviously, his physically he shouldn't be doing this at the age that he's doing this. So, who's to say his body doesn't break down a little bit? I mean, it's a Tom Brady question. It's like when does he fall off the table? And it hasn't happened yet. But you take that that Laker team and you add a Kawhi Leonard, which is just seems like inevitable. But we said the same thing about Paul George going to L.A. Correct. Uh, so, Damian Lillard is also on the trading block. He's a guy who hasn't signed his max. I think every he has like a 16 mil, 17 mil per year contract. Yeah. That's a star you can add to a big three that's not a $25, $28 million guy like Carmelo Anthony. No, and Dame would be the guy that you really want. But even still, I mean, you still, I mean, the parts that you have to give up to get a Dame, that gets interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 there's a lot there to deal with, and it's like you still got to deal with Philly back east. That's a team that doesn't seem like any of those guys are going anywhere. Let Markel Fultz get a smidgen, like, to get better. <laughs> That's a frightening team. Boston yeah. teams, Kyrie Irving, they get better. 
that's scary. So I'm I'm looking at LeBron and I'm like, damn, man, I like this is more maybe for your marketing and setting up the rest of your life. Like you want to win a ring, but it's like, man, maybe I just need to live in LA and start this Hollywood career. Yeah, like, I mean, he's been to enough finals. He's won some. He lost more than his handful. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm ready to do something else. Yeah, like Maverick Carter and them are like looking at other opportunities at this point. They know LeBron's not going to be here much longer. And, you know, this season, they'll be lucky if they're a five seed, looking at the way that the West is constructed. Well, I, mean, I mean, I think Cleveland was a, what, they were a one? They were four last year. They were four last East. year. Yeah, so, I mean, you got, you got a, a West Coast that, you know, still has the Rockets, the Golden State Warriors, the Jazz are getting better. I don't know what the fuck's going on with the Timberwolves. I like Denver. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to look at Denver. Uh, it's just, it's there's a lot. I mean, there's still Oklahoma City. I mean, they're not, I can't see them getting much better, but I hope they buy Camilo out of his contract and he goes somewhere else. I mean, uh, he'll probably go to L.A. if they buy him out of his contract. I don't know if that makes L.A. any better. Um, but it's, bottom line is NBA season is not going to be very interesting this year. Uh, if you play with the Golden State Warriors in NBA 2K19, you are a bitch. <laughs> and that's what I'm that just shutting off the whole console. Yeah. It's a straight you know, non-Golden State rule. Dog, I'm reporting you. Like, I'm reporting you for, like, foul offensive language or something. Like, <laughs> you can't play with the Golden State Warriors. But it's free agency, man. Players go where they want to go. LeBron's in L.A. Boogie said, F it. The, the Golden State Warriors have acquired all the Infinity Jewels, and they're going to snap and make the NBA disappear. So, there you have it. I mean, we've seen that Lakers team made that incredible run where they only lost one game en route to a championship in the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see if Golden State can get close. Yeah, I think they sweep, can. sweep through. Houston's just, Houston is, is going to take games from Golden State. It's, it's James Harden is, is travel. I don't give a damn what anybody says. He's traveling, but whatever. It's been <laughs> indefensible. Nobody can really stop it. Chris Paul can stay healthy. Things get interesting. Uh, but they're a team that can win a couple of games. They can win a game or two against Golden State, um, even with Boogie there. So That's going to be tough. And, and they keep Iggy, Steven. Like, they, they have so much talent. It's incredible. It's, un- it's just simply unfair. That's, that's, there's nothing else unfair. Like, that team will beat all-star teams. Yeah. Like, from top to bottom. They can probably beat the East All-Stars next year. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. so crazy. Um, all right. Let's talk about what we usually talk about. And we're going to start off with hip-hop this week because we really didn't get to talk about the Drake album because we were on a hiatus. Um, it seems to me that this Drake album was all about Pusha T's this. At least the first six. I'll give the first six songs on the A side and like the last three on the B side. We're about to push a T this, you know, song to his son, um, addressing you know the stuff earlier on in the beginning of the album. It comes to mind then, like, when did Drake record this album? Was it always a double disc? Did he just say, yo, I got to respond to this? I'm not, you know, okay, cool. Jay Prince, I ain't going to put the diss track out that allegedly was going to end people's careers. You know what? I'm just going to get in the lab and and put pen to paper and explain what's going on and put this whole beef behind us. But that would have taken him a week, maybe two. Yeah, see, that's where I put that on Twitter the other day. I was like, well, if this is so deeply rooted in responding to some allegations that just surfaced a month ago, what did this album originally sound like? Like, I mean, we obviously we had, a, like, I'm upset. We had... 
um, God's Plan. There are probably a few other songs, but we didn't have like Emotionless or 8 out of 10 because they're all in some way responding to Pusha. Uh, and, and really just the, the, the parent thing, um, being a dad. And I mean, the whole double disc, I mean, this is a bloated album. Uh, he mentions on the album that it's to get out of his contract. I tend to believe him. But my problem with Drake, and it was the same problem with the, the Views album, is that he makes albums to fill a quota, and he doesn't make albums when he necessarily has something to say. And there's a big difference. Like, an artist like Kendrick or J. Cole, they have something to say when they make an album. Like the Pimp a Butterfly or K.O.D. or Damn, they are made, even Jay-Z's 444, were albums made with a purpose. Drake just makes albums. And this album didn't have a purpose until Pusha T talked about him having a son. So that kind of lessens what it's supposed to be because the, the album is like that ratchet happy birthday. Like, why? Is, I don't even know why it's there. That's the worst song I've heard from Drake in a long time. You know, and I know what he's trying to do is having a little anthem for the women or whatever. But there's really no purpose with this album. Don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoyed like Emotionless. I, eight out of ten. Um, we'll talk about uh, uh, the joint with jay-z in a minute because there are a lot of people that took issue with jay at the, at the end of the song what um, yeah there are there are a lot with the of the x line that, yeah okay yeah. um but i mean overall it's a it's a, a decent album it's not it's definitely not close to an album of the year um if you chop down and make this a single album of 10 songs you have a pretty solid album you still have a great album um sandra rose with dj premier is dope that was a cool collab. Like, I, it came yeah. off and it paired well. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's just, this is a lot, dog. I had to write my Billboard piece. I'm in Charlotte um, on a time difference, which means the album came out at midnight instead of at, uh, at 9. And I was beat up. Like, I had been flying, and I had to listen to it. And I was like, yo, this shit's like an hour and a half long. This, and, it's, and it feels long. Like, Views felt super long, too. Like, this album felt long. So, I mean, it is what it is. Drake said what he had to say. I just, what the fuck, man? Like, when are you going to, like, when we, we're going to have another Nothing Was The Same album? It feels like he, he don't really have much to say anymore. But he kind of took his time with that. He did. He but, did. Which you is, know, I wish you'd do that again. Peppered fans with features here, there, here, there. Now it's like he's dropping clockwork every, what, almost eight months. But it's like, I enjoyed more life better than this. Like, Ooh, I, no, I, I didn't really like more life like that. I did. I liked Passion Fruit. I liked, you know, I, I liked more life better than this. Um, this, this just feels like it was felt it was to uh, fill a quota. Like, all right, let's get it out of the way and get it over with. I just, what the fuck did this album sound like two months ago? Did he even start recording it two months ago? So many questions. Yeah, that's bananas. Um, we'll we'll see we'll see if there's maybe there's some stuff he cut out to fit in the push the T thing. Because that's another thing. It's like, okay, a double disc. And if you plan for a double disc the whole time, you obviously have to replace songs. Like what hit the cutting room floor? Like was there some dope tracks that just didn't make it because of this? And, you know, Drake has always kind of been really good at stashing away two or three tracks, hitting you with them at random times, no album, no nothing. So I, I want to see what that's about. But, yeah, it seemed like it was really focused on him having a son, admitting that he takes care of his son, uh, you know, the, the qualms with the porno baby mama, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's, you know, like, again, as a man who doesn't put his life out there on social media like that, 
I understand because, you know, Drake obviously didn't want to have a baby with this chick, and he did. And according to what I've heard on the album, he's seen this baby once, maybe twice. So, and he's, you know, probably providing money, whatever. It's a complete shock to him. And he wasn't, I don't think he was ready to be a father. This is just where it's at. Um, so I guess it's a lot to deal with. I, that's probably what stung with the most out of anything that Pusha said was that. Everything else is like, all right, dude, whatever. The blackface stuff, whatever. But me being a deadbeat dad, probably hit home. So who knows what he peeled from the album? Um, I mean, then on top of that, I mean, might as well talk about it. Jay Z's verse. What was the shit recorded two weeks ago? He's referencing uh, uh, X's death. Yeah. In the final. That's Th- that crazy. just happened. So Jay just cut that verse fresh, hot off the press for him. So all right, I'll talk about it real quick before we get into combat sports. There are a lot of people that took issue with him saying, you know, killed X, uh, let Zimmer live, Streets is done. And people were like, well, Jay-Z has the power to get his Zimmerman. And I, I don't think, like, there are a lot of people who were like, oh, you know, you're undermining the streets, blah, blah, blah. You don't understand the positive streets. I understand what they're trying to say, but I know what Jay-Z was doing here. Like, the fact that there were so many people up in arms and ready to do something, and like, to do something to x versus what happened with zimmerman and people were upset but he's making it a point like not 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 the it's, it's crazy because it's not the the holier than thou where you're like oh well the streets are stupid and you don't know what you're doing but it's like well where but why are we still like like why, why are we robbing this kid and killing this kid and like zimmerman was a guy not to say you could get your hands on him, but would you do the same to, to George Zimmerman if you're tr- killing Trayvon Martin? Would you kill him? Would you put him on ice? But these same people that was like, oh, I got to steal this Louis bag from X, that's crazy to me. And I think that's the point that Jay was trying to make. A lot of people are upset about it. I get it because there's, you know, there's so many layers to the streets and why you know, like, people have the argument, well, in Chicago, black kids kill black kids all the time. There's so many layers to that conversation. But I, I know what Jay, I have a feeling that Jay wasn't, trying to undermine that part of it, but he was trying to look at the vitriol of, you know, killing a celebrity rapper versus would this guy have the balls to do that to Zimmerman? Yeah, that's... Jay Jay is the king of saying a lot with a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And just just off the feature, it completely made me forget about that whole Beyonce joint album fiasco. Like, Jay, when, when he wants to, he, he's great at that, just making a point... More so now as he's older. We we really got some like socially conscious Jay telling people how to, you know, save their money and don't be fools with their money off the last album, being fiscally responsible. Like, yo, buy paintings. Like he's he's dropping jewels on tracks. So old wise man Jay Z is uh is definitely a nice change. I thought that was a good song for the both of them. I, I thought that was probably one of the best songs on the album. Yeah, and I mean the DJ Paul beat Knox. I was DJ that. Paul is still in here, right? Yeah. I was like, yo, out of nowhere, this is his first dope beat in, like, forever. Yeah, that was a straight Houston 360 mile. Like, it was a straight Southern banger. Like, that was, that beat knocks. But, you know, ultimately, it's just another song of the Drake album. I don't know if we're going to be talking about this year. Uh, real quick, before we get into comment shorts, what are your three favorite albums this year, so far? Wow. Um, On the spot. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Royce, Booker Ryan, um... Black Thought, and 
I'm not sure if that Cardi B album dropped this year. This yeah, dude. I'll give Cardi. Just because I really actually do enjoy the album. Props to her. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand it's like ratchet music and not as lyrical as the others. But I think it has a really good place. And for a female rapper to do what she did, the amount of hits, every song on that album is a hit. She didn't miss at all. She, didn't, she took no swings and misses. So, um, for what it is, for its genre... She put together a better album than The Migos, than Future, than a lot of these, you know, just stand on furniture club rappers did. And it's her debut joint. Like, so shout out to Queen Cardi. She's probably third. Um, yeah, I just still haven't listened to, uh, man, I haven't listened to a couple of joints that I know people are like, what? You put Cardi there? But the past like three weeks, I haven't had time to listen to new joints. So I haven't listened to the J-Rock yet. That might jump into my top three. Uh, due to what everyone is saying, I heard that shit's crazy. So that'll probably be in there. But Royce Black thought easily my top two. And then I'll just throw Cardi in there. Yeah, leave Cardi out. Um, no, that album's dope. She's in, yeah. the, she's in the mix, top six. I mean, this is, no. This is, I mean, this is a, a strong year, six months in hip hop. Um, me personally, in uh, no particular order, it's Royce, Fonte, and uh, this Saba care for me out. Like, I just, I was on the flight. And I just started listening to it again, and man, it's so fucking good. If you haven't heard Saba's Care For Me album, like, do yourself a favor and listen to this shit. It is really, really, really good. Like, I had to go back, and I was like, damn. This, I mean, this shit is amazing. For Saba Chicago Kid, it's just, for me. Yeah, the Saba album is really good. And it puts it ahead of the Black Thought album. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Like, the J-Rock album was great this year. Um, which I, yeah, I like the J-Rock album a lot. But Saba, Fonte, and I mean, a lot of people talking about Pusha T. Pusha T's around there. Ooh, Push. Yeah, Push might get my third. Yeah, Push, push is Lyrically, around Lyrically, Push could probably be three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but in Fonte, I, you know, I really enjoy Fonte's album. Deep Sleeper is Sky Zoo's album, which was really good. Came out in January, which means it gets buried under all the uh, releases that came out. But man, we're only six months in, man. We've had a lot of heavy hitters come out. Um, no, nah, I would say, I mean, nobody's looking forward to Nicki Minaj's album. I'm absolutely not. Uh, but dog, this is like a strong year in hip hop. And I'm sure at the end of the year, it's going to be hell trying to pick your, your best albums. Cause you still got six months to go. Yeah. I mean, and to me, there's not too many people like slated already. So it's going to be kind of a surprise here on out. Yeah. And I, I felt like the black thought album was a complete surprise to me. Yeah. Um, the J-Rock album, I felt like we knew he was coming sooner or later, but I didn't know when that was dropping. I was, you know, I heard great things about that. So it seems like people are rolling these out and uh, it's really dope. I didn't think Royce was going to get done with Booker Ryan that fast. You know, after yeah. Prime, after the other Prime album, I was like, okay, it's going to be a while. And Booker Ryan seemed to come out like two months after. Yeah. And, I, and I'm super interested in hearing, um, there's two artists I'm really looking forward to hearing. Uh, one is Boogie, who signed to Shady Records, who's just been killing on the guest spot. He's on Royce's album. And the other is Meek Mill. After hearing Stay Woke, which is an incredible song in my humble opinion, and I've never been a Meek Mill fan, but I feel like if Meek is turning this corner, this is going to be really interesting. Like you introspective know? Meek? Yeah, introspective, like recognizing, like, yo, there's a bigger purpose in life than just, you know, talking about moving bricks and bitches and shit like that. Like, Stay Woke is a great song. And I, the kid can rap. And I call him a kid, he's an adult. But he can rap because he's got a kid voice. That's why I call him a kid. <laughs> um, but he can rap. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Meek has 
yeah, he's got to be cooking up something. He's been through a lot these past couple of years. It'll be interesting if he puts that all out there. And that, shit, we didn't even mention J. Cole. J. Cole is up there as well. Yeah, so, J. Cole's album was dope. It's, it's, it's a loaded, loaded, loaded year in hip-hop. So I know you don't like Big Sean, but I'm expecting a Big Sean album this year, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, somebody's got to take a break. Shit, it's too many people. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's just a lot of people who are due. One album I'm not looking forward to, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, that's what I just dog. No, I don't have no interest in hearing this out. No, no, it's she's done the opposite of building interest. Yeah, she's she's become. I can't. Her regression is ridiculous. So, whatever. Uh, anyway. I swear, Safari was the key. That's crazy. People, yo, people laugh. Safari was the key. Um, all right, let's talk about sports though, because we have UFC two twenty six. And it seems like every International Fight Week, we have the cursed cards. And this year's no different. Max Holloway um, had to pull out, which is crazy. And this is his third fight in a row, I believe, where he doesn't get into the octagon. And just minutes ago, while we were recording this, the end of the UFC 226 presser, Daniel Cormier gets up to walk off stage, trips, it's on the ground for a couple of seconds and is seen noticeably limping off of the stage. You can't write this shit. And Tony, Tony Ferguson just tore his whole shit on a wire at the FS1 studios. Now Daniel Cormier is falling on stage and limping heavy. I just watched the video on my phone. Heavy off of the stage. Oh, my God. It's not good. Not oh my good God. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and Dana, Dana's face looked horrible. Dana was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Like I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Like <laughs> I'm literally looking at this right now. Also looking at the fact, yo, that he was, busts his whole shit. Sorry. Also continue. looking at the fact that uh, All In just added uh, Marty Skrull versus Okada. Holy shit! Oh god. Okay. I like Skrull getting the platform. They're yeah, making Skrull yeah, yeah. feel big time. Okay. So, uh, so let's talk about it. Um, UFC 226, Max Holloway will start there until we hear what's going to happen with DC, which would be, oh my God, it'd be awful if he had to pull out. Um, this Holloway thing is a little scary to me because it begs the question, when did you know about Max? Because concussion symptoms aren't something that just come up out of nowhere. You have them. And there's an interview with Bisping where he points out something's off with Max. And... Uh, Interviews during open workouts pointed out there's something wrong with Max. How close were they to letting Max fight on Saturday? I think if he could have woke up, he would have been fighting. I think if they could have kept it a better secret, he would have been fighting. Um, in all honesty, one thing I think that is underrated during the UFC fight week process, especially for major fights, is the presence of Embedded and how often they're filming. Right. And it makes it very, very hard to hide these things. So do I think that he just woke up on Tuesday and had these symptoms and a hard time, you know, seeing? And as soon as you wake up, the blurred vision, because you don't got blurred vision all day if people have never had a concussion before. Like if you have a concussion, you can kind of channel these things. You can play through, you can fight through a concussion uh, if you really wanted to. It's when you don't have control of your body that you really feel the symptoms. So as soon as you wake up, um, places like being in the shower kill you. Uh, you. Sometimes you can't do anything about light. So it, that affects you. 
So you, your symptoms, you can suppress them. You can wear shades all day, but when you, your eyes get into the sun or you get the bright lights or whatever, it, it just kills you and all those symptoms come back. You, there's certain things where you can't suppress the symptoms. You can't hide it. And waking up immediately and your body resetting and noticing like, yo, something's wrong. It's sending out all these red flags and you're slurring your speech and all this stuff. It, it, it showed. And you can't hide that from embedded. And there's the clip out there, Bisping, talking to him on FS1. And, you know, Max doesn't look like he's there. Yeah, because once again, if you've ever been interviewed, you've ever been in like a real big time studio, you know, those lights are bright as hell. So they put that yeah. bright light right in Max's face. And you wonder why his eyes are like unfocused. And the guy can barely talk. Concussions, those bright lights really amplify the, the symptoms and you can't hide it anymore. So, uh. Yeah, man, it's sad to see. There's a report out there that says, you know, he's been fighting it for a week. They just thought he was a little under the weather. But, no, nah, it, it's it's scary. It makes you wonder, like, when did he get the concussion? When do you know? Like, it, usually you take 10 weeks off. You can kind of just bounce back, reset your brain, and be cleared again to fight. Um, so it's like, did he not want to stop training for 10 weeks? Did he hide it from people? And then now the fight is off. It's it's a whole bunch that goes into that. And this isn't necessarily the sport you want to go into a concussion with. No, absolutely not. And that, that's the scary thing. Like, I interviewed a bunch of fighters. I'm doing a piece actually today on fighters hiding injuries. And, you know, I'm asking, I asked a lot of fighters, like, how many fights have you been in where you're 100%? Nobody said they were 100% in a fight. But they were all scared about Max Holloway's brain. It was like, when's the brain? It's different. Like, I fought with a broken toe, broken hand, broken rib. Um, cut, scar tissue, all these things. But everybody, when it was like the brain, that's scary. Because the fighters that have had concussions, they were like, yeah, I would try to fight. Yeah. And that's that in itself is scary because like, you're going to try to fight, which means you're, you're completely handicapped heading into the fight itself. Because you know, I think you're right. Hall brought this up, who I had a really good interview with, by the way. But um, That's incredible. You, you get a standing... Ovation for that one, because prying things out of Uriah Hall is quite difficult. Yeah, and then the, the piece I'm doing is the art of not giving a fuck, and it'll make <laughs> perfect sense when I wrote, write it up. But um, he made this point, like he was just saying, you know, if he had concussion symptoms, they're not going to get any better when he's in the octagon, and those bright ass lights come on, he's mm -hmm. done. Yeah. It's over. So it's like fighters that want to push through this, and you got to feel really bad for Brian Ortega because he's like, well, shit, this is all he wanted to do, but. If they would have gave him ample time, you know, he maybe he still wouldn't have taken the fight because I wouldn't. But Max could have pulled it out last week. It just it makes you wonder what team is the one that's, that would have pushed Max Holloway out there. There's a team that would have been like, you're OK, Max? He'd been like, yeah. And they would have been like, all right, cool, fight. There were some people that were looked out for Max Holloway was like, you shouldn't fight. But it's scary. Like, damn, some of these guys would have actually fought with the concussion symptoms. Max is 26 years old. I don't know, like, the fights, the wars that he's had already, you got to wonder, like, how much longer can he keep fighting? What's his long-term health look like? Now, if you want to take it a step further, how many featherweight title and lightweight title fights have been where fighters did not show up because of injuries since Conor McGregor has left? This is an amazing statistic. It's like every... Like, what, what title fight has been booked and stayed? That's a good... I mean, eh, half of them been canceled. So you had Aldo versus... Or that's not even lightweight, but featherweight. Uh, you had the Aldo fight 
versus Max. So that's the only one I can think of off top since Connor left. That's actually been pretty good. Um, and then lightweight, Khabib backs out. Ferguson backs out. Um, Eddie got wrecked by Connor. Connor gives it. No, there hasn't been one since Connor left. Everything's falling apart. It's, this there's been one, but it was only for an interim because they refused to make that for the real belt. What, that was the Tony Ferguson Kevin Lee fight, right? Yeah. Who had staff? Who had staff? It should have backed out. Exactly. <laughs> and he was a zombie. Like, no, this, oh, this is insane. And all it's doing, I mean, it's driving Connor's price up to a point where it's like the UFC just really can't afford him. They like, have to. Like, they, he has them by the cojones right now, and he's training, and he knows it. He, he showed that picture today. He's back in there. He's working. He has Kavanaugh, you know, putting it out there. Hey, we're working. We're close. We're going to negotiate. He's now, he's great at that. He's a master manipulator. He's putting the screws to them. Because now if they don't get it done, he can say, I'm not partying anymore. I'm not on private jets. I'm working. Why can't we get this done? You need me. I need you. And all the emphasis is on the UFC now. Like he... He's going to milk them dry, but you know what? They should do it because they haven't had anything stable or big time since. They thought GSP was that. He won and left. Dropped the belt. A belt that you, you made the division go into disarray for him to get and then left. Promised Dana, looked him in the eye. I'll fight. He said, my next fight has to be at this weight. And they said, no, I'm out. And then you see the same thing bringing in Brock Lesnar. He tests positive. He's gone. John Jones, gone. You, you see all of these things over and over and over again. And then if someone does win, sometimes they pop afterwards and it's negated. It's ridiculous. So the only constant that you have as far as star potential and money-making potential is Conor McGregor. You got to pay him the farm. But therein lies the problem. You pay. Let's just say you pay him the farm for one fight against Khabib, right? And let's just say he wins. Yeah. What do you pay him the next fight? Like, this is going to be a vicious cycle. Like, I, and that's why from the beginning, I said, you give him a flat fee like Floyd Mayweather had, right? Outside of Pacquiao fight. But Showtime wasn't playing that shit. They gave him 60 mil. You know, but he made so much more than 60 Correct. Of course. He was fight. his own promoter, all this stuff. Understand that. You give him a flat rate, 30 mil, but you give him ownership. Because he's bigger than Dana White. Sooner or later, the, the, the fairy tale is going to be over. Sooner or later, he's going to step away. Why not give him... If Dana White can have 10% ownership in a company for all those years, and you can see how the character of Dana White boosted it, why not give Connor 5% stake in your billion-dollar company? 3% stake in this billion-dollar company, which kind of equates to damn near $300 million. You don't do that. You give Connor, or equates $100 million long term. He has $100 million in equity off of about 3% in your company. And then you give him a flat fee of 25 a fight. And you say, but guess what? This is now your company as much as it is ours. You're going to come and you're going to promote the other fights when it's all said and done. You're going to talk everyone else up. You're going to help with the matchmaking. We're going to partner with this. And that's going to be it. That is the worst possible idea to let a fighter get stake and be involved in the company's decisions. After you're done. Not obviously not right now. But the money will accumulate. 
I he no, this ownership absolute stake. worst this the absolute worst idea. Absolutely. Here's why. Let's just say you give Connor this money. Yeah. And he fucking loses. Not and doesn't get just lose, he gets mauled by Khabib. So fucking what? His mouthpiece is the moneymaker. Is it is it when you lose? Yes. We've seen him mm. lose. I'm just saying. We, have overall, we not seen him lose? Like, it made him a bigger but, star. But what I'm saying, there was, there was caveats. Like, the, the Diaz fight was, it was out of my weight class. So you can say, okay, fine. Cool. Khabib, there's no excuse. He's a lightweight. You're a lightweight. There's no excuse. You get murdered by Khabib and Megamedov, you're done. Not, not done in the sense, like, you can't sell. But how can you sell the company? You got to worry about selling yourself. So you give this man a stake in your company, you're opening the floodgates for every fighter... That's the only other problem. Up. Is that every fight, like, what happens when the next person is bigger than Connor? That, and but the, that that's my point. Like Connor, Connor stay hasn't been long. It's been brief. It's been impactful, but it's been very brief. And yes, he can hold you hostage. But really, does it really benefit the company to pay him like, let's just say some astronomical number, like sixty million for a fight? Does yes. it really benefit? It's, it's one fight. In it's other sports, fight. they pay that. All the, listen, Floyd made it constantly against lesser opponents. Yes, you can recoup it. You can eat that. Your profit margin isn't going to be bananas like it is now because you're screwing over your employees, the fighters, and paying them pennies and peanuts for brain damage and for dehydration issues that carry on in life. So no, your, your profit margin won't be in the 80 percentile. But you know what? If you got to take a normal average boxing style payday, then yes, you do it. Somehow... Pay-per-view-wise and everything, you managed to pay Conor McGregor $100 million for a boxing match, and you managed to pay Floyd Mayweather $300 million for a boxing match. That's $400 million, and somebody at Showtime was making money. They didn't go into the red with that match. They made bank. So you know what? Yes, if Conor McGregor sells half of that, that means you could justify a $200 million payout and still make money. It's only going to cost $60 million to pay him, and you still pay everyone else peanuts. You're making out fine. It's just it's not what they're used to doing. But boxing has the model. They're not going broke. They'll be fine. Well, boxing is also not handled by one promoter either. Boxing is also not handled by multiple networks either. The UFC is self-contained, and they promote their own company. Like They sign deals to be distributed by a network or ESPN or... But with the, with the pay-per-view model I'm talking about, you can't afford to pay Conor if he sells a million and a half pay-per-views? But, do, but my point is, do you want to do that? Like, do you want to open that door to give Conor all this money for one fight? Because as we have learned... Yes, because everyone's not Floyd. Not everyone in boxing but, is getting 300 mil because Floyd got it for two fights. Yes, well, sometimes point, there's an exception. But my point is, Floyd Mayweather signed the deal, stayed undefeated, mm -hmm. already set the precedent that he's the best, the biggest mouthpiece in the sport. But Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather nearly ruined boxing. For a lot of people. <laughs> because the fight didn't live up to the end. Well, that's, I mean, that's part of the issue, right? Like so you're saying fight, if Conor loses, the fight doesn't live up to the price tag. Well, no, if, if Conor loses, but I'm saying if Conor loses, it's one fight is what I'm saying. If, if you pay Conor all this money for one fight, does that really save the UFC? Does that really generate interest in the next UFC pay-per-view? It helps a lot. It helps, it helps your end-of-the-year numbers, no, which are looking saying, very bad right now. At, at, at the end of the day, they're, they're worried about their profit margin and control. Those are the two things that the UFC is concerned about. Profit margin, control. 
You pay Connor a shit ton of money, $60 million, which means he's going to come back for more next time. And it's one fight. But I think the problem with the UFC is they created a monster that they couldn't control, and they've made no real effort to build out other fighters. Because Connor fights, let's just say he fights in December, and then he doesn't fight again until summer? July, fall. yeah. To, to this mean, week. This week, if, next year. Is, is, is he even pressed to fight? If you, if you give that man another $60 million or $50 million, is he pressed to fight again? No matter what, like if he knocks out Khabib, you think he's in a rush to fight again? No. That's, he's going to let someone else build up that can make him money. And then if I'm, if I'm Daniel Cormier, if I'm John Jones when he comes back, if I'm Stipe if he beats Cormier, which we're about to talk about, don't I hold out now? No, you're not holding out for that much. I mean, you could you could try to saying, bump the pay up a little bit. Yeah, sure. But, but but I'm saying, don't you don't you hold the UFC hostage? Like, dude, I'm active. I'm your champion. So pay me more, or else I'm not fighting. This that shit creates mutiny. The inmates will run the asylum. I'm not mad at it because I think that the UFC has been treating their fighters like shit for a long time. But I'm saying, if I'm the UFC in this situation, and I'm trying to control my situation. Then you let them bleed out. I mean, that, that's what the NFL does, right? Yeah. Guarantee contracts. Quarterbacks get this. Quarterback gets so much money. And then a running back who's equally as valuable says, I want this amount of money. Running backs aren't worth that. So I'm going to hold out. And they will let you bleed out. They will say, <laughs> you, you do this. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of money before me. I will strip you of that title. Steve Miocic, I don't care who complains. I will have another title fight for that. I will say Steve does not want to compete. When he is ready to come back, he will get an immediate title shot. For this belt. But until then, we need a fighting champion. And I will paint him as a villain. We will make sure he doesn't have the money. And you go live as a firefighter all you want. But those checks ain't these checks. And I will bleed you out because we were outlasted. It's it's just a crazy scenario. (laughs) You you crush the little guys, but you pay the Connors. It's it's just a crazy, crazy scenario. And all this because, you know, Max Holloway, a guy who is on a ridiculous... Was winning streak, and now he's out for a third consecutive fight. It's, it's, I mean, second if you really want to say, because he was just stepping up on short notice for the for the uh, yeah. fight. But uh, it's three fights, man. He's it's 2018 sucks for him. For and, for almost every every UFC pay per view card, it kind of sucks. Yeah, so it's pretty bad. So we've talked enough about Conor and all this stuff. Let's actually get to the card. All right, so we're going, and it's a pretty good card. Still, is pretty good card. Yeah, but even saw, without that he, fight. Funny because we had a pretty good card with UFC 225. That shit couldn't crack 200,000 pay per views. Yeah, so, that was a damn yeah. shame. Um, so we have, we'll skip the early prelims, even though Vegas uh, product, Jamie Moyle's on there. Um, let's see, we have Lando Venata versus Jakar Close. That's going to be one hell of a fight. I'll take Lando to win that fight on some spinny shit. But Lando's one of the guys that, you know, he'll, he'll lose some, he'll win some, and he looks stylish doing it. Yeah, he's he's two he's one, two, and one in the UFC. But exciting as hell, right? It's fun to watch. Jakar yeah. Close lost his last fight against David Timur, where Timur wasn't really engaging with him. Um, but he beat Mark Diacase, which Diacase was a guy on the rise. This is a very interesting fight, man. I, I like I like both these guys. It has fight of the night potential. Um I'm actually gonna side with Jakar Close here. That's not uh, bad. At the at the cards, I think he could win it. Yeah, like if it goes to the cards. It's a little bit more clean and technical. Yes, but I think this is going to be a hell of a fight. But I'm going to go with close. I'm not mad at all for going Venata here because Venata, he he needs a win. This guy's been in the main event, the co-main event twice already. He's only had like four fights. It's crazy. Yeah, because he's just that, that first fight against what, Ferguson? It's just yeah. exciting as hell and people just gravitated towards that. Um, 
We have Asuncao versus Rob Font, which is a good matchup. Um, man, Font's looked kind of good. I, I'm gonna take Rob Font, which is which is tough, but I I like Font and how he's looked recently. Uh, he got choked out two fights ago, but he did knock the hell out of Thomas Almeida. So he did. Um, I'm gonna take Asuncao. I like Font a lot. He's a great stand-up fighter, but I don't think Asensio is dumb enough to stand with him. And if he is, he'll get knocked out. Um, Asensio is clearly... just so damn big. Yeah, but Asensio, you know, once he gets you on the ground, it's trouble. Yeah. Uh, and he's extremely durable as well. So, you know, Font's in a great position right now, fighting, I think, the third-ranked Bantamweight. Uh, he, he can, you know, vault himself right into the title picture. But, you know, Asensio doesn't, you know, I think he's been knocked out once. And that was Eric Hope back in 2011. Yeah, UFC 128. Like, and he uh, beat Marlon Moraes. He beat Aljamain Sterling. He beat Brian Caraway. He beat Pedro Munoz. He beat TJ Dillashaw when TJ wasn't even on his, his surge. But, uh. I mean, yeah. he's taken TJ to distance twice. Yeah. So, I so, mean, it's not like even when he lost to TJ, he went the distance, which is not easy. Not many other people can say that. When TJ no. turned into Killer Shaw and just been wrecking people. Yeah, so I'm going to take a sense out here. As long as the sense out plays it smart, I think he will. And he'll uh, try to ground Rob Font because Rob Font's going to be coming straight at him. It scares me, though, because he's been winning. Like, you know, uh, he has one knockout recently, his last fight. But everything else is decision, decision, split, split. Like, it's, it's, he cuts it close. He does. He does. You're right. So you put a, a lot of, a lot into the judge's hands. And Rob Font's been clean lately. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Uriah Hall, who we just had an interview with, with Paulo Costa. Uh, man, Uriah Hall has all the talent in the world, man. But I I can't pick him to win. Like, I, I just don't trust that he wants to fight. Like, if he lands a KO, then great. But it, it's not something he's, like, overly concerned with. He, listen, he's, he's lost to some really good fighters lately. So it's not like he's been losing to tuna cans. But with that being said, I don't think he has it. I think he's going to lose again. I'm, not, I'm picking Uriah here, not because I interviewed him. I just think that there's a technique um, discrepancy here. And Paulo Costa, you know, he, he blew out Johnny Hendricks, but Johnny Hendricks has since retired. Clearly doesn't have it anymore. Um, if Costa wants to stand it with Uriah Hall, and Uriah Hall finds it within himself to pull the trigger, Uriah Hall could beat just about anybody. That's the problem, though. He yeah, can't that's pull the a trigger. So, but technique-wise, he can still win fights against decent competition just because nobody really wants to engage with him and get in his wheelhouse. So I think Costa might actually be a guy that's going to press the action and might find himself getting fucked up because of it. <laughs> that's so, possible. You don't want to get into the into his face too much because he throws some spinning shit while you're trying to get out. and you're, It's lights out time. You're face down on the mat. Yeah, so I, I'm going to pick Uriah Hall here. It's just a matter of him... You know, pulling the trigger. Like, forget trying to please the fans. Forget trying to give us the highlight real finish. But you also have to pull the trigger. You have the talent to beat just about anybody out there. So put it on display. But I think Paulo Costa is the type of guy who's going to just come at him. And if that's the case, that gives Uriah Hall all the opportunity in the world to finish him off. Yeah, then we have our first fight on the main card. That's actually a pretty good prelim finale right there. Um, first fight on the main card... Now, Sakai versus Roundtree. And excuse me if I don't understand, like, the full background of Sakai. 
But isn't this guy supposed to be like some type of like kickboxing wizard? Yeah. He is. So I am very intrigued to see and, and Roundtree's no slouch. You know, he's I don't want to call him a gatekeeper, but you know, he he is talented enough to rise. Last time we got, you know, no contest. He's beat up on some guys who he's more talented than, but he's also lost a couple of fights. Still young, so I think this is a perfect showcase fight for Sakai. And I want to see him be the man, the myth, the legend that he is. When he just rolled out of bed one day, he was like, you know what, Dana? I will do MMA. After just not caring and training MMA fighters for damn near a decade in the art of kickboxing. And then saying, you know what, I, I'll throw my hat into the ring and let's see what I got. Um, I'm going to take Sakai. I just want to see some crazy shit, though. Yeah, I mean, Roundtree would be a fool to stand there and trade with Sakai. Roundtree's a big dude. He's big you know, as hell. He's big as hell. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a matter of, you know, can he, can he ground him? And that's always been a lot of kickboxers' issues. They're guys like that were great kickboxers that go back to Wonderboy versus Matt Brown. And Wonderboy was just put on his back for three rounds and lost the fight. Roundtree could do the same here. But if he, for a second, thinks he can stand there with Sakai, he's just getting blown out. Um. You know, Sakai has only had two two MMA fights, and he lost his first one, and that was in 2004. And then he had one last year, 2017, and a whole lot of kickboxing and glory in between. Yeah. Um, and he got yeah. injured before his scheduled debut, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I'm going to pick Sakai here. I, I just I'm a little curious if, if Roundtree can get inside and put him on his back. If he if he can do that and establish that early, he'll win the fight. But I think it's just going to take a lot. And I'm sure Sakai has been working on his, his uh, takedown defense. So I'm going to pick him here. Maybe a knockout? It'll be interesting. I mean, those are some big guys. And when you get a guy that big with those skills, because Sakai's not small. He's thick as hell, too. Yeah. And I was like, man, that if he's stylistically what they say, that's going to be interesting. Um, then we have Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. I, I think Pettis gets mollywopped, taking Chiesa by submission second round. Oh, man, it's like I hate betting against Anthony Pettis because you, you want him to be what he once was. Um, He's and he so had, far from that, though. He is. And the thing is, like, you look at Pettis' last few fights and, you know, he broke his rib against Poirier and had had to basically tap out of that fight. Um, Max Holloway, he's had no business being a featherweight. Um, but there he was, just looking drained. Barbosa fight, Alvarez, Dos Anjos. It's a pretty elite competition. My concern with Chiesa is he's not a great striker. He's got a great ground game. Pettis is not so bad off of his back. He really isn't. And Chiesa, he is too content laying there, though. But, well, he doesn't want to get up. Chiesa is not a wrestler, right? Like, he's not a guy that's going to control you. No. He's a guy that's going to take you down and search for a submission, mm-hmm. which gives a guy like Anthony Pettis, if you go back to, like, the Benson Henderson fight – a lot of opportunities to move around because he's great at sweeping if you give him the opportunity. But most wrestlers just don't give him that opportunity. You know, a guy like Eddie Alvarez, that's his game is to control you and bully you. Kiss is not really that guy. And I just can't see him beating him in the striking department. That being said, I'm going to pick Kiesa here. But I'm just, <laughs> because I just... I'm, I did I'm, not see that coming, by the yeah, way. <laughs> like All that being said, if Anthony Pettis plays the smart, and doesn't allow Chiesa to get inside, he has a great chance to win the fight. My concern is that Chiesa is just, he's going to be on him like Lou, because that's been Anthony Pettis' biggest problem is when he's fighting off his back foot. Yes. Just not the same fighter. And if Chiesa's learned anything, and I looked at him today, he just looked tall and big. 
He's going to have to grind. And if he grinds Anthony Pettis, he can win two rounds out of three. It's just, if, he, if there's any inkling for Kiesa to say, let me throw some hands with Anthony Pettis. Not a smart move. But he might not get knocked out because I don't know where Pettis is at even in the striking. He's just not the same guy. So I'm going to pick Kiesa here. I just would like to see Pettis open up some more. It's just we haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it, it seemed like before he always loaded up to gain that energy, get you to overcommit, and then attack. Now he's just running the whole fight. He he loads up, loads up, loads up, but never brings that energy back out. So it, it, something changed. Someone stole his soul. This The Monstars took his skills. I, I can't explain it, but it's not the same Anthony Pettis. Um, yeah. Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. Oh, I mean, buddy. You know I don't want Mike Perry to win. I, look, listen, guys, I, I was this close to challenging Mike Perry on him using the N-word today at Media Day. But the smart person in me realized nothing good was going to come out of this yeah, except for me being on Embedded arguing with <laughs> him. Like, keep keep the job for right now, Dre. You just got to yeah. keep the job. So that being said, take, take all that away. Mike Perry's a decent fighter, and he's fun to watch in terms of skills. Paul Felder is, I think, arguably the most disrespected lightweight in the UFC because he's really fucking good. And, you know, he was supposed to fight Ayakinta. He was supposed to fight next week. Like, he gets dragged around. He's a great commentator. Uh, but, dude, Paul Felder's a savage. And he's more well-rounded than Mike Perry. And I think he knocks out Mike Perry in this fight. I think he catches him with, like, some nasty... <laughs> Someone's getting knocked out. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I don't think this is the last. But discipline is where Paul Felder excels versus Mike Perry. Perry's a little bit wild. He's fun to watch, but he's wild. Paul's a lot tighter with his strikes. And he's got a really good ground game. If we go back to the Charles Oliveira fight, like he, he knows how to get out of situations. I like Paul Felder a lot. I honestly think Paul Felder's going to crack the top 10 before the end of the year. He might be top five. I, there's not too many guys that are as, as skilled, stand, like, and it's and as savage. Like, dog, he's aggressive as shit. If you watch Paul Felder fight... He's a problem because he's not just going to get off of you. Yeah. So I'm picking Paul Felder by knockout here. Just, he's loads of fun to watch. I'm going to go with Paul Felder by knockout. Um, I mean, just recent things just said, it, it's cool to watch Mike Perry just get knocked out right now. He doesn't got to get knocked out every fight. And I do enjoy his fighting style. He has a ton of heart. He goes in there, gives it whatever he, he has. There's a couple times he should have been knocked out, and he's withstood a beating. Um, the Ponzinibbio fight, I believe. Yeah, he yeah. was getting wrecked, and I was like, "Yo, he's gonna be out of here." No, the kid has heart. Um, it's just this fight. Just after everything that went down, this fight, he just needs to be knocked out. After this, I wash my hands with. It. We all good, my man. I'll squash it. Just I this fight, it. though. <laughs> 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 and just one knockout. Yo, he gets knocked out this time. We call it even. Uh, I'm taking Felder. He's still got to drop the gimmick, but I'm taking Felder. Yeah. Um, then co-main now, Francis Ngannou versus Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Derek Lewis doesn't have a shot in hell. I, 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 and I like Derek Lewis, but his cardio is trash. And he's fighting Ngannou, who proved that he's got decent cardio. He went five rounds with Miocic and lasted. If he went five rounds with Miocic, I don't see Derek Lewis knocking him out. I, I absolutely don't see Derek Lewis winning the decision. Ngannou's, um, he's a lot tighter with his strikes. Lewis gets a little wild. Yeah, he could, but I think, I think Lewis can knock him out. I think he has more power. 
than Steve, I'm assuming, just less precision. Anybody, I think anybody can get knocked down this division. Let's be clear. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but Ngannou has a hard-ass head, and I, I just like if Ngannou plays this smart, he just goes to the body. I need to see you on like official network coverage very soon for the UFC, and your analysis on television be like, Ngannou, he got a hard-ass head. I just, I just want to see that because <laughs> that's the best like in-depth analysis you can get. Cause it's so true. Like, he, oh, he does, and I, he's just, just built like a cyborg. Like yeah. he's not of this planet. The I mean, this this it truly like like these are two guys that could look any more different stepping into the octagon. Like in God, the black the, beast is trimmed down. Yeah, but he's still you know he's like vegan beast right now. He's portly beast, <laughs> but. I, just in the course of three rounds, like if Ngannou goes to the body, it's over. It's over for Derek Lewis. Like, yeah. It's really it. I mean, that's all you really have to do. Go to the body a couple times, like evade the big punches, and then watch him gas because he's going to gas. It takes a lot of weight to throw them punches around. Ngannou, better, more concise striker. Um, I, I think he's got pretty good takedown defense. I don't think Derek Lewis can get him down. I could be totally wrong here, but I don't think I am. I think Ngannou's going to knock out Derek Lewis. Yeah, someone's going to sleep. I'm going to take Ngannou. I would love to see the Black Beast win, though. Um, the guy's just entertaining. I, I, I really thought last year at this time, I'm pretty sure I said it on the podcast, I thought this was going to be a title fight. Yeah, I thought this was going to be for a belt. Um, it so happens to be, I mean, with the divisions and the super fights and all that shit, you never know. But um, to me, this would be a number one contender's fight right now. Yeah, if, well, if those things still if those things still existed in in this realm of MMA, but if John Jones comes and says I want a shot at the heavyweight title, he skips the line. Um, yeah, roids and all. So, the, I mean, it's going to be tough in Ganu. It should be exciting. You know, losing Max Holloway fight um, hurts him and T City would have put on a show. But this is a great great co-main to step into his place. Everyone likes big heavyweights with heavy hands. Of course. So you can't complain about that. Um, main event, heavyweight title fight, champion Steve Miocic versus the possibly one-legged Daniel Cormier. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was giving Cormier, um, I was giving Cormier a fair shake at winning this fight. I, I was going to take him to win the fight. This trip and fall does not have me feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, at all, um, it's Damon Martin just said it looks like he's okay, but scary moment that you're only so okay. Like if it takes him down 5%, that's five more percent Stipe has over him. That's rough. Um, I think it's going to go 25 minutes. I don't see anyone getting knocked out. I think DC is really going to bring that wrestling. We'll see how Stipe's wrestling matches up. Um, DC is going to go with the dirty boxing to put his head against cage. We're going to see some of that. Old school strike force DC. Uh man, I'll stick by it. Cormier by decision. Fuck it. I want the John Jones trilogy for all the belts. <laughs> um Steve A has been getting disrespected for a long time. Every fight somebody picks against him. I'm Ngano a habitual disrespecter of Steve A Miochi. Yeah. Ngano was supposed to knock him out. Fabricio was supposed to choke him out. We weren't too sure about Overeem. Uh Dos Santos, a lot of people still pick Steve A, but there were still doubters. Now he's a, he's a pretty big favorite. He's like a minus 220 against Daniel Cormier. And he's finally getting the respect that he deserves, but against the wrong man. 
Um, I like Cormier a lot in this fight. Here's the reason. Stipe Miocic has not fought a wrestler. Go up and down his record. Not since, like, Shane Del Rosario. Mm -hmm. He hasn't fought a wrestler. He's fought Overeem, stood in front of him. Verdun ran at him like an idiot. Uh, Dos Santos, stand-up guy. Uh, Nganu, no wrestling. None of these guys wrestle. Cormier is going to wrestle Stipe Miocic. Not only is Cormier a, a good wrestler, but he's an Olympic-caliber wrestler who tosses around guys like ragdolls. Also, never lost a fight at heavyweight. Yep. Probably would have been the heavyweight champion if it wasn't for Cain Velasquez. I have a hard time seeing Stipe dealing with this kind of pressure for five rounds because Cormier has proven that he'll be in your chest for five rounds. Mm -hmm. It's also a testament to how good John Jones is. Uh, but it's just Stipe does have the hands. He could knock him out. But if this thing goes a distance, I think Cormier is going to have a distinct advantage because I, I feel like he's going to put Stipe on his back. And if he does that, I think he becomes a two-division champion. And, and then on top of that, and I'm writing this, to, I wrote this last night, I'm publishing it tomorrow, Daniel Cormier has essentially become the Joe Frazier of MMA. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's stuck at second best. Yeah, like forever, no matter what he does for the rest of his career, Joe Frazier lived in Ali's shadow, and the bane of Joe Frazier's existence was tied <laughs> to the Ali feud. Yeah. It, it didn't matter. I mean, granted, he lost those fights to George Foreman, um, but he, Joe Frazier was just... He was everything, but a casual boxing fan only remembers Frazier because of Ali. A casual MMA fan, it won't matter what DC does. He'll only remember that that's the guy who lost to John Jones. And he still mattered. Like, Joe Frazier damn near went to his grave hating Muhammad Ali. He probably still did. <laughs> but at a certain point, Frazier was like, oh, I'll reconcile. But that was like 2001. Like, when they were long done, DC's holding a grudge against John Jones. They're taking this to the grave. Yeah, but John Jones doesn't have that same grudge. He's won twice. Like, all, like Ali, he was like, well, shit. He moved on from, from Frazier. Ali went on and beat George Foreman. Had his wars with Ken Norton. Like, Ali moved on. And, and his biggest battles, like, we all remember Frazier. Like, John Jones will be tied to D.C., but it's not the only moment we remember. Cormier's in the he's in that spot. If he beats Steve Miocic, he'll be still number two. That's it. He He's at the spot where I was saying earlier, it was my... Um... I said it last year or two years ago during the Conor McGregor saga. It's you're at the point of once he beats you, only thing you can do is add to his legacy. You can no longer add to your own. And yeah. everything Cormier does, all of his accomplishments, only adds to the legend of John Jones. It does not boost Cormier at all. So if Cormier becomes the champ, champ, it's going to be oh, so John Jones is the real champ, champ. Right. And, that, and, and he's that, the king of two divisions. He can do nothing to boost himself. It's always going to refer back to, oh, that means John Jones is just next level good. And that's that's unbelievable because Cormier has only lost to John Jones. One. One guy is his kryptonite. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But no matter what, if he beats Stephen, I, I fully expect him to beat Stephen. I'm picking him. And if he does this, it just it's just like... Yeah, okay, but didn't he cry when he lost to John Jones? Like that. And then on top of that, he lost to him twice, but one of them was overturned, so he only really lost to him once. But all people can remember is the night he got knocked out. Yeah, I mean, I saw him get kicked in the head. Exactly. Can't take it away. No. Can't make it disappear. You say, well, he was on drugs. Well, it don't matter. He kicked him in the head. I don't give a fuck what happened, but he kicked him in the head and knocked him out. That's <laughs> all people are going to remember. But, and I feel bad for Cormier because he's done everything right. 
Like he gets booed for no reason. But Sarah Sarah, that's yeah. this is what it is. He'll be a two division camp. Yeah, I'm yep. bringing Cormier too. Um, that should be exciting. We'll both be in the building for that on Saturday. Uh, let's talk some pro wrestling before we get out of here. Um, oh, we also have boxing to touch on a little bit at the end. Don't worry, boxing fans. We got you. But pro wrestling, it was pretty easy this week. It was light work. WWE main roster, they're on cruise control. Uh, to me, Raw is stagnant. We got two Roman Reigns segments. He was probably on, at a three-hour show, he was on for 45, 50 minutes. I don't need that. And then you end the show with a wrestling match that's not a wrestling match. It's just Kevin Owens running and Braun Strowman throwing him off of a stage. So it's too theatrical now at this point. Um, I, I thought having more time to build between pay-per-views and between stuff had, gives you a better chance of building feuds. They're just wasting weeks with filler. It, it's like they're hoping to have one good single on an album and the rest album filler instead of making it a quality album track after track after track. They, they just want to knock one thing out of the park. And get, you know, just, just one Migos trap hit every time out. And they're not building anything else towards that. And then SmackDown is, is not much better. Team Hell No. It, you went from Big Cass and Daniel Bryan to, okay, Big Cass is gone. Let's not waste Daniel Bryan. Cool, Samoa Joe is here. AJ Styles is here. Nakamura is here. And you're like, nope, we're going to the Bludgeon Brothers and bring back Kane. Who might be mayor in November. So it's just like you're wasting time with him. So both both brands to me is just stagnant right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pro wrestling is just not... WWE is just not fun on the main roster right now. And, like, you talk about this whole Team Hell No thing, and it's like it's a little weird because it's like, okay, are we doing this at the detriment of the Bludgeon Brothers' rise? Or are we doing it to set up a heel turn on Kane on Daniel Bryan? Either of them are not ideal because... The Bludgeon Brothers, they have all the momentum right now, so they shouldn't lose the team hell no. They just got here. Mm-hmm. Let them run Let them run with the titles. But then if you enter Daniel Bryan in a program with Kane, that's worse. That's wasting like, Daniel Bryan again? Just exactly. in a whole other way. And if you turn him heel, then actually you're just even further away from the feud with The Miz, which is what we all want. Yeah, it's, it's, There's just so many things here that are dumb. And now we're like, we're almost completely apathetic towards Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley because we kind of hate them both. Like we just Bobby Lashley's just been in a shitty spot. Just you hate Bob? Up. I don't hate Bob. I feel bad for Bob. I feel, I mean, but the, I dislike the Roman Reigns' push. I don't feel. I don't dislike. If I hope Bob goes over on Roman, it's not going to happen. I, but I hope. Yeah, but I think Bobby Lashley's better served as a heel. So it's like, what's the point? Like, why are we doing this? Oh, so you can bring out the full. Well, that's the problem, right? So if he beats Roman in a very heelish way, because it's extreme rules, then what? Because people are going to cheer him. Right. So is he and really then, a heel? Like you can't turn no. someone heel against Roman. Shit just doesn't work. You're just gonna turn him into the biggest baby face. It's just, it's weird because you know at some point we got to get to Braun Strowman getting the title because that seems like it's inevitable. But it feels like we got to move towards Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. But Bobby Lashley really has had no momentum, and this is the match. And wait, correct me if I'm wrong. Was and I, I haven't looked at the dirt sheets. Like I've been super busy with everything else. Wasn't this originally Extreme Rules supposed to be like a six-man match? Yep. When did this become pull Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns out? They haven't mentioned this this number one contenders match at all anymore. It hasn't been brought up the last two Raws. I could be completely wrong. Somebody may correct me. But I remember this saying, Kurt Angle saying, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns, you will both be in that in this whatever wild card match 
for the number one contender spot for Brock Lesnar's title at SummerSlam by, in Extreme Rules. And now it's all of a sudden turned into Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley with no mention of a number one contenders match. What the fuck? Yeah, they they somehow branched off all three into different feuds. Because you, you saw where it was going, right? Like you saw Finn Balor versus um, Corbin. Those were two guys in it. They branched them off into their own feud. Then you had Lashley versus Roman. Branched them off into their own feud. And then you had Strowman and Kevin Owens. So everyone is still there. It's just they broke it up and concentrated on their own feuds. I guess there's time to bring it back and combine the matches, but it seems like everyone has their own thing going on. I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. I I watched it, but I'm not positive. I didn't pay attention to the little like commercial silhouettes where they just put two people facing each other and, and say like it's officially booked. I'm not sure if these matches have been officially booked for the pay-per-view yet. Just Reigns and Lashley. It was officially booked last week? Yeah, that was officially... Reigns versus Lashley has been officially booked. Oh, yeah. So, no, the whole shit's out the window. I don't know. That's a good question. They just hit the delete button, and we all forgot about it because we just snooze on it. Like, I... Duh, I have no idea what they're doing. Like... This is better than that six-man tag. Or the six-man round robin. They did that last year in the same time. I'm just saying, what are we doing to establish the number one contender? Is it now Lashley versus Roman Reigns? Like, none of this shit makes sense. And I really, to be honest, I just really don't care. Because, like, G1 Climax is around the corner, so I really don't care what they're Yeah, and honestly, though, number one contender to what? Their champion's not even around. I mean, let's just got to wrestle at SummerSlam. He has to. Right, or maybe not. We, we honestly don't know. And, and here's the other There's thing. There's rumors of him just going to the UFC and parking down on the stage with the WWE title. Like MMA people don't give a fuck about the WWE title. Yeah, but and now here's the other thing. So we're getting Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins in a 30-minute Iron Man match. That's Street. a lot of time, by the way. That is. That, that is. That is really a lot of time when you have all this talent you're trying to stuff into one show. Yeah. But you tease Drew Galloway versus Roman Reigns, which got a big pop out of the crowd. What the fuck? How is he in two simultaneous feuds? Like, <laughs> legit feuds. He's I don't two, know, man. But I don't see Bobby Roode anywhere. Like, he's nowhere to be found. Mojo Rawley's getting like, more television time than Bobby Roode. Like, like what the fuck is going like, on? Like, Roman Reigns, two legit-ass feuds. Like, you save this storyline for whenever Dean Ambrose is healthy. <laughs> and then he could have helped Seth, right? Like, that, that's a natural comeback one. Yo. That, that would have been good. Why does Roman have to do both? It's it's now we're just hitting the overkill. Like if we were just past the whole Roman being pushed angle, like he's Superman, we're hitting the overkill angle. Because now not only can he defend and be beat up by Bobby Lashley and be in a full physical feud with him, no, he can still come out later and muster up the strength to fight Drew Galloway, arguably the two biggest people on the roster besides Strowman and Braun. And Roman this, can fight them both in the same night. I dog. <laughs> it's crazy. I, it's so, crazy. WWE is terrible right now. Roman Reigns is Superman to them. Vince Vince is officially man crushing. Let, let's talk about the real thing that's been exciting. And I'm going to be the first one to concede this because you have been preaching about 205 Live for the last several weeks. So the other day I sat down and was like, let me watch 205 Live and see what this shit is all about. Because I gave up on it when Enzo was champion. I was like, I'm done with this shit. And I didn't watch it. But you found time to watch it and you kept singing the praises. So I went back and I started with the Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander match. It's the perfect holy place shit. to start. Holy shit. Like, 
that I feel bad, but I also feel like, what the fuck is WWE doing? Like this, <laughs> yo, two hundred five live is like been exceptional. Like they're re- like I and it's straight TV. word of mouth because they're not promoing anything. Like what? What the? What are you doing? Like yo, the buddy wherever you said Alexander match was phenomenal, but then it, it's just every week you're getting this. Mustafa really, Ali has just been on fire. Right, like I have. You Kenta, know, I Atami is doing good. Atami has a character. It and he feels like a real ass heel right now. Like, I won't go as far to say that they're all match of the year contenders. They're all very good, though. And there's some that I would be like, eh, you might legitimately put in an argument as match of the year Wait until you watch this week's. It was the best one yet. Which I'm about to watch. But I mean, the triple threat. Like, I'm, yo. Atami looks so good as a heel in that triple threat. Now, granted, 205 Live does have storytelling issues. Uh, on the bit. bottom, right? Yeah. Like, and but, they're a little but, thin on I like the Lucha House Party thing. I just don't know where they go with it. Yeah, so that's that's your like only... But if you're looking for great in-ring, 205 Live is where it's at. But it's like, them touring with SmackDown is dumb, in my opinion. Yep. Them not doing it, like their own show like NXT is dumb. But it's like, it's the, the problem with too much talent. You got to put them somewhere. But, dude, I, I was completely like, I've not watched 205 Live. I don't have time. Now it's like, this is much watched television. Because these guys... <laughs> These guys are going. Every week. You can't tell me you can't put one of those main events on a pay-per-view. Well, that, Not that's, one. That's going to be my That's my next issue. It's week in like, and week out great main event matches. Great content. You can't put them just one on your pay-per-view card. Like, this is bizarre to me because before, you were forcing multi-man tag matches on Raw, which mm-hmm. we didn't really need. But now it's like you couldn't you – couldn't, I'm not saying that you have to give me Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy, right? You can say that for 205 Live, but you couldn't give me, like, a Tommy versus Gulak or some shit on Raw yeah. instead of instead of Mojo Raleigh and No Way Jose? Yeah, just give them some time, and they put on the show. Just just one-on-one matches. Like, yeah. I, don't need to, I don't need a champion necessarily on Raw. Like, or give me, give me a five to ten minute, five minute, because I know you're pressed for time. Give me a recap of what happened on 205 Live on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. What what are you doing? I've been showing people gifts, five second gifts, and people are like, oh, I gotta watch that shit. So you can't do a 30, 40 minute or 30, 40 second recap to get people involved? There's no I, promo. Dog, I am blown <laughs> away about the mishandling of 205 Live. Because like I stopped watching it and I watch everything. And I was like, I just don't have time for this shit. Now I'm like, I had like I watched it. I just had it in the background. I was doing some work. I just had it in the background. And I'm looking and I'm looking. And I'm watching Buddy Murphy. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is like Blake and Murphy? And this and he's he's and like this match is great. And I'm like, yo. And I'm like, I, I went in the group chat and I was like, holy shit, Kel was right. Like this is a great product, but no no promo. I, I I don't know if that's purposeful. Like maybe they're like, yo, okay, because they put Triple H in charge of it. And maybe they were like, hey, we're just going to reset everything. So just shut up about it. Let's act like it's not even here and then rebuild it up, you know, incrementally and just let it bubble normally and organically. But even if that's the case, you got to strike while the iron's hot now. I mean. Now now you're in motion. Now you're, you're moving at 100 miles per hour. Now now you show off the sports car. I, I, I don't get it. And it makes you. They haven't had a pay-per-view match in three months. And that's crazy. And what's even more baffling is you lost Neville and Aries. Like, imagine if those guys were there. Oh, but it's, it's, with this quality, with this, with this formula, I think Neville and and Aries would have been okay. 
they would have been okay with this format. So, so I will go a step further now. I'm, I'm going to say not only is the this is the worst storytelling in maybe the past 15 years in WWE history, this is also the worst mismanagement of everything. I'm not even going <laughs> to just talk about like Raw, SmackDown, like 205 Live not get, doing what they're doing. Like NXT is the only show that it feels like it gets just enough promotion. It has the right feuds. And, and there, they, there's rumors, heavy rumors, that they're moving that to FS1. Which is like... So you want to you want to throw a wrench in that shit. Yeah, but dude... What the fuck? That's, <laughs> that is awesome. Yo, it's 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 the best product they're putting out, NXT included, week after week after week. It's crazy. It's their best weekly programming now, and no one knows about it because they just remember Enzo and him bagging on Gabagulak yeah. every week, and mm-hmm. it, it's so different now. Um, talking about good wrestling, though, one thing that is void right now in ROH is, to me, good storytelling. When, when did they just take the story? To, they got bit by the WWE storytelling bug because they can still have good matches every now and then on pay-per-views and everything. We were here in Vegas. We saw a good match, good feud. But, man, their storytelling has been horrible. Well, uh, I'm not well, invested in anything. I, I, well, I am pleasantly surprised when I show up and I see something great. Well, I mean, ROH has never been really good at storytelling. But, you know, it's like... They do weird things. It's like you lose the TV title, and then all of a sudden you're in the heavyweight picture. And it's like, well, how did that happen? And they never really make any sense out of any of this, right? So the storytelling has never really been good. I think the pro- the problem is they haven't done much with Dalton Castle as the champion. And spoiler alert, he's going to lose the title. Um, but, <laughs> you know, his injuries, like that, like the ROH's best in the world was – I. I watched it and I didn't necessarily enjoy it. And I usually enjoy ROH pay-per-views. The Bucks and the Briscoes was great. I was about to say the Bucks are the mainstay right now for them. Yeah. That Bucks and the Briscoes was great. But the rest of the card, like the Kenny King, Austin Aries, it was all right. It was like whatever. Um, Adam Page, Punishment Martinez. I know a lot of people liked it, but I I'm just don't really care that much about Punishment Mart- Martinez. I think Adam Page has come a long way. He's Punishment. athletic for a big Yeah, he like, is. He and has he, some he's good done. spots for a big but it's like sometimes his character, I'm like, this is corny. Um, <laughs> the, the, the whole, like, even with the Young Bucks match, the, the you know, SoCal Uncensored intervening on the Young Bucks' behalf was fucking weird. That I was weird, yeah. Is that a face uh, turn? SoCal yeah, Uncensored, Uncensored can't be face. Exactly. And then you have, like, other weird things that happen. Like, the Kingdom is like, mm, they just don't do it for me. There's nothing that the Kingdom, like, Matt Taven, I don't care how much better you get, it just doesn't do it for no, me. No, never like the um, Kingdom. And then you get to this title match. Where Dalton Castle retains, but he's you know he's hidden because he's hurt. Like everybody knows he's hurt, and he's been like hidden throughout this match. Like they pull him out in spots, so it's really Cody and Skrull. And Dalton Castle retains, but then he fucking loses to Jay Lethal the next night. What the fuck is that? It should have just happened. I mean, why wouldn't you put the belt on Cody? Could Lethal be Cody? Like maybe Cody doesn't you don't want Cody to lose right now. I I don't understand the long term planning. That's, that's the key. Like, now Jay Lethal is cool, and I loved Jay Lethal's run as champion, especially when he was dual champion. That shit was dope. But that was like the, the house of truth, Jay Lethal. Now it's, he doesn't even have a character now. Like, that's like he was on his little revenge tour, and, you know, he avenged his losses, and then he won a title shot. But they didn't even save it for a pay per view. They just, they knew Dalton Castle was compromised, and they, they just did him nothing. They did nothing right during his title run. And now Jay Lethal's champion again. Which I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but it's the fact that you knew Dalton Castle was hurt. Like this was not something that happened three weeks ago. 
you had a lot of time to restructure that main event to either inject Jay Lethal into it. Because if you're going to have Cody and Marty lose, because if that's the plan all along to not put the title on either one of them anytime soon, you need to inject a fourth party. Like, you got to do... I just... I don't know what the fuck they're doing. And I feel bad for Dalton Castle because he was a guy who we all looked at and was like, man, he's great and he could work. But yeah. now he's, he's clearly compromised. Well, they, they toned down, like, his eccentricness, too. Like, he, he was like... Oh, I can turn it up and be a serious fighting champ. And he was like more mean mug. He was less, you know, like flamboyant with it. I didn't like him as champ. He he was a guy where everyone always said, oh, he's like Goldust. He doesn't need a belt. He's like Mankind. He's like Taker. He doesn't need a belt. The character is that good. And I was like, no, he deserves a shot. And then he got the belt. And I was like, I don't like what they did with him as champion. Yeah, it's just... To be fair, I'm getting there on Aleister Black as well. We're, yeah, we're, no, we're creeping I, I, to the same point where I don't like him as champion. He's talking too much. Now he has to do mic work. Now he has to cut live promos. He's losing the mystique. Yeah. And he's becoming no. just another guy. I don't, he's losing the dark. His voice doesn't sound dark when he talks, first off. Like, he yeah. doesn't sound intimidating. I want him to talk less, just be brooding. What happened to the guy who said, you know, four words in the feud with Velveteen Dream? So when he did speak, it was pointing. You felt it. He said his name, and you felt what that meant. Now he talks every week. Now he's getting crushed on a mic by T- Tommaso Ciampa, getting told to shut up. I, I don't like him as champ either. He was no. much better without the belt. And, and that's the weird thing. It's like Dalton Castle's situation was one where we want, I, like, I wanted to see him become champion. And when he beat Cody, I was like, oh, this is cool. Now he can have some great matches. And it just didn't work out. Like They didn't put him in the right feuds. He ended up being secondary to Cody and Kenny. Um, and whatever else was going on in ROH. And then, like, you, you make a great point with Aleister Black. Like, Aleister Black, talking Aleister Black, I'm like, mm, not the same. Like, if Aleister Black just kind of just showed up and kicked people in the face and he was still the champion, like, that's cool. But now that he has to talk, I'm like, that's not cool. No, like, <laughs> it's not cool. He's not mysterious anymore. Yeah, it, it takes away the, the allure of Aleister Black. And like I've said for the past couple of years, the title hasn't really been made by a guy in a long time. Since Shinsuke. Yeah, and it's like even, you know, even Balor. Like, Balor was a champ, and it was like, man, the title, that means something for a hot second. Now it's like when Rude got the title, it was like, so? Now Black has the title, it's like, whatever. You know, it's like like the champ, and, like, nobody really cares. Almas was the closest that could have done it. Right. But they pulled the trigger and was like, oh, he's hot. Come up. And then they they brought him up to do nothing with him for like weeks to cut Zelina Vega promos. That's it. It's it's so weird because I felt like, and I said this like when he lost the title, it was like too soon. You had the opportunity to do something very special with him. So when he comes up to the main roster, it felt, felt special. Yeah. Now it's like he's just kind of there. He really has nothing to do. Um, he could have been he could have been the guy that beat Aleister Black and then kind of held the title. Like dog, he's a great promo. Like Zelina Vega was excellent. Yo. We'll get right back to it. WWE, you guys fucking suck. Get it together. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of missteps right now. And uh, once again, SummerSlam's the next chance to hit the reset button. I thought it was going to be a good reset after Mania. They drug on those storylines for half the summer. Yeah. The same storylines for Mania went to Money in the Bank. And then now hey, it's like, come on. like We, we need a, a hard reset on everything. And, and let's be clear. And we can move on to boxing after this. The Sasha Bailey thing, they pulled the trigger at the right time, but now they're embroiled in a stupid fucking therapy thing. That is so <laughs> Yeah, as soon as Bailey kind of got some edge and she was beating the hell out of Sasha, people were like, yo, I like this Bailey. And I was like, let's go to 
rehab or to therapy. It's so, like, so bad. What? Like, that makes no sense. Do we just I, want her to come out and beat the hell out of Sasha again? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's bad, like, all the way around. Reinventing the that, wheel. Yeah, that, it, that's a, a dozen, it was a dumbass segment. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, let's go to boxing. Only quick things to touch on in boxing. Manny Pacquiao gets his fight greenlit. He'll be fighting in two weeks, I believe, um, in some country that I don't even know. Why is yeah. he, is he, are we ever going to see him fight in the States again? No, because there's not enough money to pay him. Um, to come to the states and you know with his training skills, like Doc, is this a legitimate possibility he gets knocked out by Lucas Matisse? Because oh, he's that'd training, be dirty. With, like he's training with Boo Boy, like he's not training with Freddie. He's training with Boo Boy, which means he's kind of taking this serious to get paid, but he's not really taking it serious because he's not looking at Lucas as a threat. Lucas still has some. Why? Power. Why isn't he training with Freddie? There wasn't a falling out, right? It just kind of came out of blue. Um, Manny wanted to stay in the Philippines, and he didn't want to. Basically, I, I don't think they wanted to pay Freddie Roach. Ultimately. They didn't want to pay him to fly out to the Philippines because Manny, you know, he still got congressional stuff, so he wasn't leaving. And Boo Boy's right there. So it was just like, well, I think in his mind was like, I can't get any better. Just do what I've been doing. And Boo Boy can do that. Like, and I can beat Lucas Petizzi because he's not really that good. So I think that's how they looked at it. And now they got this fight, and I'm just like. Yeah. I mean, he's better than Joe Horn or Jeff Horn or whatever. Well, yeah. But, you know, like, we'll see. We'll see. The fight, the fight is happening. Great. I don't know what it means for whoever wins. You know, I, I'm back to the point where I'm like, well, let Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think they're going to do that because they have to pay Manny too much money. But they could. You know, there's a route they could do. They need to do something with Terrence, but who knows? Yeah, please just feed feed him Manny Pacquiao. Increase his star. That's all that. It, it'd be two years, even too late. But you know what? It's better late than never. Um, talking about a fight that's going to end up being better late. Late than never. Wilder versus Joshua. We thought we were getting it. Dre, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was coming. I thought you were you were in New York. I thought they were going to pull the trigger while everyone was in New York for the Bellator announcement. Um, you know, I, I thought there was going to be like a big hoopla about, you know, them signing. And then they gave us the news that Joshua's moving on. Fighting a mandatory and Wilder now is just left in the wind. And it seemed like Wilder gave all the concessions in the contract and said, let's do it. Whew. Okay. Um, this is, this is tough because, you know, I, I got some, a chance to talk to Eddie Hearn and we have a 45 minute interview on sport news from Eddie Hearn. And he makes some very valid points. Um, they talk about Wilder making all the exceptions, but then they say that, that Finkel had, according to Eddie Hearn, Finkel, Shelly Finkel had some things that they wanted to change and they never got the contract back. Which is, don't know who's telling the truth here, because it's promoter talk. But I know for a fact that Pavekin was the name that they were demanding Joshua face, and they they allowed Joshua to get an exception to get the Wilder deal done, and it never got done. So I was I never had faith that Wilder Joshua was happening this year. I said that from the beginning. I had no faith that fight was happening. Um, when these things came up, the thing that concerns me is that Deontay Wilder became the promoter. And when that happens, you got to wonder, like, this is like Eddie Hearn made a very good point. He said Deontay Wilder is the, the, the worst paid heavyweight champion of all time. <laughs> he is. And to think about it, and he was like, why would I give him a 50-50 split when he's barely making $2 million a fight? Mm. Very good point. And then Eddie goes, 
if I had Deontay Wilder, he'd be making five times as much as he's making right now. He'd be a big ass star. Now, I mean, that's also a fair point. And I, dude, I've had this issue with Deontay Wilder. It's not Deontay Wilder's fault. Deontay Wilder should be a big star. He talks, he knocks people the fuck out, and he's a big dude that, like, if he goes to the airport, you'd be like, that guy. He Who looks like a heavyweight champion. Yeah. He, like, he doesn't look like he's eating burgers all day. Like, no. he, he looks the part. He looks the part. Why is he not a bigger draw? So, in, in, the, in the conversations about money, there's no way Deontay Wilder is getting a 50-50 against Joshua. It's just not going to happen. No. Joshua announced today, which I knew for a couple weeks, that his next two fights are at Wembley Stadium, which is 80,000, 90,000 people. Deontay Wilder can't fill up an arena with 10,000 people. Joshua can't, and he's going to against Povetkin. He's going to get 80,000, 90,000 people in that arena. So it's going to be really hard to say, yeah, that man deserves 50% of the pot. Yeah, Deont- when you're bringing in 90% of the fans. Right, so... The, Deontay Wilder's, ultimately, Deontay Wilder's career feels mishandled. He should be a bigger star. I don't know if everything that Eddie Hearn is saying is true, but I do know that those points about Wilder being underpaid, needing more exposure, and it's like, they were like, well, what is he going to do, fight Dominic Brazil? Nobody's going to watch that shit. You're probably right. If he does fight Dominic Brazil, who's a guy that nobody cares about, you can't put it on pay-per-view, but who cares? Yeah. So, the, you know, the only fight that a lot of people want to see is Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz again. Wilder is in a point where he's only going to benefit with beating Joshua. So if he has to take the first fight at 70-30 and get a rematch clause, then you take it. Listen, man, I'll give you you 70-25 because it's double what I make any other time, and I just need a rematch clause. So if I beat you, we sit back down at the table, and now I'm the star. Like now, now you've heightened my profile. Your ninety thousand fans have now seen me. I now got the pyro. I come out with the mask in Britain. I feel bigger than I am and I've ever been. I've used your stage to promote and boost myself. And then we come do this in the US. We can do it there. Yeah, we do whatever we want because now I'm the star and we can renegotiate. And see, that makes all the sense. Now there was another thing that her and said that I thought was very interesting. I never really considered it. So Wilder did this interview with Brendan Schwab. How Brendan Schwab got involved in this shit is beyond me. That guy's an idiot. Like, when it comes to boxing, I'd never want to hear Brendan Schwab talk. But he was the one who was the Listen, interviewer. he was going to beat... What was going to happen is Connor was going to beat Floyd. Knock him out, I believe. Yeah. The, the guy has no clout in the boxing realm. So he's, Eddie Hurd said something. He was like, well... He's like, Joshua's scared of Wilder, right? He was like, that's, that's the narrative. He was like, but Joshua's about, what, 20-something fights in? He's fought Klitschko. He's fought Joseph Parker. Like, he was like, who has Deontay Wilder fought? Why would he be scared of Deontay Wilder? Try to think about it. Deontay Wilder's career, until Luis Ortiz, was against a bunch of bums. I mean, Stavern. Bum. <laughs> Oh, he was champion for I mean, yeah, but he's, yeah. he's the oh, best they had at the time. Yeah, but it's like he it took like Deontay Wilder like forty fights before he could fight Luis Ortiz, and he almost got knocked out. And he was like, I think Deontay Wilder's a great fighter, but he hasn't fought Klitschko. Joshua did twenty fights into his career. He's got a point. He's got a point. No, they made good. I don't. Point. Think, I mean, I don't that's think, not a bad point. It's. I don't think either no. of them have had the greatest of competition. Um, I mean. They fought with him. He fought old man Klitschko. Like, let's be real. He didn't fight prime time Klitschko. 
like, but that, that therein lies the question: Why didn't Wilder fight Klitschko? And I'm and, and I don't think why. Again, this is not an indictment on Wilder because I think Wilder will fight anybody. Yeah, I think but that's his management. Been, yeah, I, Wilder should have been in there fighting Klitschko or Tyson Fury <laughs> yeah. or Joseph Parker. Or hey, Dylan Fury's Tyson. back on the market. I'm just saying, like fight, a fight oh, with Fury. That okay, I take it back. While Wilder's waiting for Joshua. The biggest thing he can do is go to the UK, where you know fans buy tickets, right? Go to the UK and fight Tyson Fury. Because if I, you I mean, knock Fury out in the UK, it builds your fan base there and here, and you heighten the interest there for the fight that is eventually going to be there. And as long as you're a bigger draw there, him versus Fury, if you could do 50,000, you've at least done 50,000 right. compared to 90,000. And you just piggyback off of Fury's name. And the UK crowd, and then you can say, you know what? Fifty thousand of these same UK fans were at my fight. So okay, great. Forty thousand more at your fight, but you ain't bringing them all in. I clearly showed that fifty thousand showing up for me. So I, I got some pulling power. Yeah, I mean, dude, it makes all the sense in the world. I, I, ultimately, I hope this fight happens next year. Um, I think Joshua's other date at Wembley Stadium is April thirteenth. So I hope that's the date that Wilder signs on these two fights. I hope they get the money right because Wilder, Wilder deserves to get paid. Like, for him not to be getting paid a ton of money is bizarre. He just he, shouldn't be getting paid Joshua money because Joshua is now in what, the 25 no. mil range? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, dude, he's cleaning up. But yeah. I mean, Wilder Wilder should be getting paid more than Broner. Yeah, he should be getting paid 10. And that's, that's one thing we've seen with PBC. They're all relatively get paid the same. Yeah, so yeah, it's, I mean, you cap out maybe at three. One time's not getting paid tons of dough. Like, no one's getting paid real bank. It's because they don't have a promoter. They have an advisor. Yeah, so ultimately, I think, you know, the fight not happening this weird, like, people are like, oh, dude, you're going to watch the shit next year. And it just it got whenever more it happens. Interest. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, again, if Mayweather Pacquiao taught us anything, is you will wait and you will pay. And Wilder, Joshua, if it happens in April, if it doesn't happen until next November, the fact that these two are engaged and jawing at each other now is only helping the fight. So hopefully they don't wait too long. Like, hopefully, you know, Povetkin doesn't knock out Joshua or Wilder's caught with some shit. But if they keep going, like, next April would be perfect, man. It's a big heavyweight fight. You do it at Wembley. Like, Wilder, he needs to go overseas. If he knocks out Joshua overseas, he's a huge star when he comes home. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And I, I'm I'm right with that. I should have a passport by then. You know, I, I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind going overseas, chilling in the U.K. I'm allergic to seafood, so no fish and chips. But I'm sure there's... There's some uh, other dope food options over there. What do you eat over there? Bangers and mash? I don't know. I'll eat that shit. <laughs> well, you're about to be a world traveler, a cultured man. You got to tell me. We got to figure this out. Um, nah, man. That's our show for today, though. Thank you guys for waiting the extra week. Uh, congrats again to old man Andres. Going to do one hell of a job at Sporting News. That's going to be an amazing sight. Um, already is. So much history. But as you guys know, and you follow his work, you listen to the podcast, he has amazing ideas, always thinking out of the box, and the content always delivers. So can't wait to see what he does with the platform. Good job, Dre. Uh, it's going to be going to be great. And of course, we'll keep having more of the Corner podcast for you guys. So follow us on social media at the Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Thank you guys for sticking around again. Till next week, though, we're out. Peace.
for the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.